1: Hello and welcome to a slightly delayed episode of How To Be Sound, your one-stop guide to being, well, that little bit better at being human. I should add a nod to Sophie Hagen. Her excellent podcast, Made of Human, is definitely one of the inspirations for How To Be Sound, even though I think if you listen to the two, you'll find that Sophie interrupts her guests a lot less than I do. This episode of How To Be Sound is brought to you by my innate inability to stick to a schedule. I had another guest lined up last week, but due to a series of unfortunate and boring events, we had to postpone. So despite my previous promises to release an episode every two weeks, here we are. A massive thank you so much to everyone who's taken the time to rate and review How To Be Sound. The massive majority of my reviews are overwhelmingly positive, which is frankly overwhelming. Um, I do have one one star review that was left in the very early days of the podcast and just says, poor So I'm hoping that's just somebody who really hates me and not someone who listens to a lot of podcasts and has a discerning ear for radio. I have a lot of updates um, on my Patreon page as well, though I've been a little bit quiet on the actual podcast. I've been writing a lot more lately and updating my Patreon pretty regularly. So it's basically now like a mix between my podcast and my blog. I'm uploading some mini-sodes and also some writing that I'm kind of trialling out on a small audience. And I've also updated the rewards. So if you don't know, Patreon is basically a way you can tell me, hey, I like what you're doing, please keep doing it by pledging a small amount of money each month. So, my $1 patrons get access to the super secret, not that secret, How to Be Sound book club and access to a lot of Patreon only content. For $3.33 or more per month, you'll get that. Plus, I'll read out your name at the end of every episode, coming later. For $6.66 a month, you'll get a mini sewed to boot. And for $9.99, you'll get all of that plus two mini per month. So, it's a bargain. Uh, you can check that out on patreon.com/slash how to be sound. Now, I am joined today by someone I think will probably be familiar to you all, although not as familiar as I am with her, having been on, I think, maybe two podcasts with her by now. Not my own. They were Her.ie's Girls with Goals, which is also recommended. And I've also shared a stage with her, kind of. It's comedian Joanne McNally. Joanne, welcome to How to Be Sound. <laughs> Thank you, right? I can tell already that you're blown away by our high-tech studio. <laughs> I love it. Before we get started, right, I would I like to do a bit of an icebreaker, I'm sure as a comedian... Uh, you get very nervous doing mm. these kinds of things. So just just to get you used to like recording and stuff. Yeah. Do you remember the first time we met? What do you remember about the first time you met me, Rosemary McCabe?
2: The first time we met, I think was that Caniston gig, wasn't it? I think it was, <clears throat> yeah. And in the Liffey Trust. Yes. You came in. Yeah, I think that was it in the Liffey Trust. We were doing a rehearsal there and it was you and Pamela Joyce. I Did you immediately
1: was, know that we were just going to get on really, really well? I didn't
2: know what you were going to be like, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, I was really? like, yeah, I didn't know what you were going to be like, because you're kind of like a bit controversial online. I'm not anymore. No, you're not really anymore. I don't know. But, I
1: probably am a bit sometimes. But at the time better now. you
2: were. And um, there was something, you just written a very, an article that was everywhere Um I'm trying to remember what it was now. Was it, was it about the Gossies? It was about something? the... No, although I, you had written that thing about the gossips, yes. But it was something after that as well. And I didn't know what you were going to be like. But I was pleasantly surprised.
1: No, people always say I'm nicer in real life. Yeah. Than they think I'm going to be. But actually the first time... I mean, that's the first time that we met. we got on. The first time, we yeah, actually yeah. got on, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah. yeah, Yeah, we did. Uh, the first time, though, that I was aware of your existence was in singlehood.
2: Yeah. Which
1: I saw in, it wasn't, in, wasn't Smock Alley, it was The Project. The Project. It? That yeah, was the yeah.
2: first, my first, my first kind of stage gig. And was that that was that, yeah.
1: Was that the first, like the first thing you ever did? Like, mm. like were you trying to do stuff before that? Or was no, that just...
2: That was it. How did that like come about? I did, I did, um, th- the last thing I'd done before that was my Nativity play in Loretta Dawkey, which wasn't a standard Nativity play. We did... Um, Course Cor-
1: of course it wasn't Loretto
2: Dawkins <laughs> Of course it wasn't Do you know what it was It was called Papa Panov And it was a play About the French re- Or the Russian Revolution And I was the Tsar. Was this in primary school? Yeah We were like Eight <laughs> And ridiculous. we were all dressed up As like Russian peasants And like Russian Well you weren't Because you were the Tsar. No I was the Tsar, <clears throat> So I was the villain And we were just sing like Bread give us bread If you don't We'll soon be dead Yeah <laughs> That was so weird <laughs> So weird And I started talking to Someone about it Through the day And they were like You did it." Your Christmas play was about the Russian Revolution. I was like, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Papa Panov. And Papa Panov was the main role. And like... Which went to Jill Farrelly. Oh.
1: And what's she doing now? I don't know. She's like she an accountant she, she's now Is she killing something. it in, the, in like... The Edinburgh yeah, she's fringe. in Broadway. Oh, no, she's an accountant. She's an accountant. Okay. Okay. She probably has more money than all three of us put oh,
2: together. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um,
1: you know what's interesting? I was thinking about this today, about how much I liked you in in singlehood because mm. I remember at the Thank time you. really liking you but also now so this isn't a huge compliment I was kind of surprised by the fact that I liked you because I think we all have um perceptions or kind of subconscious biases about yeah. our comedy and what we like in our comedy of right course. and a part of me was like I'm never going to like a straight white girl with a pot voice
2: yeah of co- being yeah. a comedian do you know what I mean yeah I know and yeah. then I
1: was like oh you're really funny I get like, that
2: a lot
1: yeah but I'd say actually in Ireland and maybe it's kind of now, like maybe in five years time, it'll be different. But I'd say it's easier in Ireland, weirdly, to be a female comedian if you're if you have a working class accent.
2: Oh, yeah. Than 100%. it
1: is if you have a posh
2: voice. 100%. Sorry, I just spent a lot of time at the beginning with someone who just said, who says 100% a lot. So now I say 100%. Um, but oh, completely, The my accent, um, which I really, really, I know this sounds mad, but I really was not aware of it before... I Started doing stage stuff, certainly, I suppose, because I wasn't, no one was no one was judging me or I wasn't yeah, being respected.
1: But I mean, you, like, inspected. You're, you're also hanging out with your mates
2: who all you're sound not on a
1: stage getting like sound. reading reviews and going, yeah, what yeah. are people saying about you? Yeah, it?
2: and I think it, like what you said, but with the way I sound, and it's a South Side accent, but it's, it's something more than a South Side accent, it's like a South Side accent on acid it's like there's an actual dart (laughs) in my mouth and I don't know where it came from I don't know why it's like that I think Dalky Kalini has a particular accent I think it's the real Ross Carol Kelly it's that totally but which like when I parody people say but you're just you're not even doing a parody because that's you're just doing your own accent but more Um, and people don't like it I remember Kira King who I work with a lot in 2FM said to me, you know, you have the most hated accent in Ireland. And I was like, do I? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, grant. So to get up on stage then and be doing jokes, people automatically, either they actually don't want to like you or they assume they're not going to like you. And I yeah. coped that very fast. So I started, I remember one woman saying to me once, I like you because um, you, what was it? you sound posh, but you talk like a knacker. <laughs> and I was like, I'm putting that on all my posters because I think that is, like, I, I know I have a posh side accent and I know it makes people want to like throw bottles of urine at me, but I don't, I don't have errors and graces if you know that kind well, of but,
1: way. But I mean, you're basically engaging in cultural, cultural appropriation then. Because hey, you so. have Well, you have this posh accent and you're from this privileged place, but you get to act like a knacker on stage and make money from it. Whereas, cultural appropriation. Yeah, whereas people who are actually from working class areas are really struggling, Joanne. How do you feel about
2: that? Oh, come on. That's like with that time I wore hoop earrings and someone was like, you're culturally appropriating the Mexicans. And I was like, fuck off. The Mexicans? Something like that. The Cholos. I was like, give me a break. I'm sure everyone likes a hoop earring. I know, but this was the thing. Lena Dunham was saying to eat sushi, your culture is is wrong because you're culturally appropriating Asian culture.
1: No, I mean, I think to put a photograph of yourself eating sushi on your Instagram in full on like Japanese geisha garb. Is a bit dodge. but, but even like so even sushi on a Thursday,
2: Grant. Even so, and this is why I really liked you when I first met you because I think we've very different opinions on things, but we debate them well, if you know the kind of way. Like, there's no like animosity between us in any way. But why? Why is that wrong to wear Asian gear? So, like, I wouldn't if 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 if. if okay, say I'm trying to think of someone who dresses nothing like I do, like as in culturally. Okay, so. When but would I ever be offended if someone appropriated my culture? But you wouldn't because you're you're from a position
1: of privilege and, and a position of superiority, economically speaking. But so sh- like, no, no, no. But like, so so you are a white straight woman, whereas geishas historically in Japan were often kind of indentured or they were sold into it and they didn't have so much of a choice. So for us to go over and dress up in their outfits for fun without recognizing any of it behind it. And like the thing is as well, some people go to these tea rooms and they go and they do a whole ceremony and they, they dress up in the garb and they pay like, you know, pr- pretty decent money for it. And I'm going, well, well, those people need to make a living and I'm sure you're doing that with the the, the utmost of respect that you can muster from what you understand of this culture. Mm. And I don't think that's so bad as like if I'm dressing up as a geisha for a Halloween party without any reference or any thought behind where does this come from and what does this mean to the people who are actually from this culture? Do you know what I mean? So it's not so much like I don't have a problem with somebody dressing up like a Japanese person, but if it's somebody dressing up in an outfit from a culture that has historically been uh, put upon for how they look or for how they dress, then it becomes problematic. So, like the Indian headdresses and stuff, yeah,
2: or Native American. Yeah, oh because, shoot the, me now! Yeah, and they have a real problem with that. And I remember reading at the time that they had a problem with people. There was this, there was this, a trend of young girls going in and getting tattoos of dream catchers, and Native Americans were like, "We're this is not cool. We, we're not into this." And that I can understand. Yeah, but there has to be. It's it's not black and white. Like, no, it's not, no, but nothing is. No, no, nothing is, and I think there is so much nuance. And I think with the with the cultural appropriation thing, I tend sometimes when things kind of. When I feel like they, in my mind, that it's been pushed too far, Mm -hmm. then I just go, right, well, like, fuck it. Do you know that kind of way? You become um, become unsympathetic then yeah. because you think you're being made out to be this racist cultural appropriator that you're not. A friend of mine called me a fascist last year. I know. What were you
1: doing? Were you you dressing up in like SS gear at a Halloween party? We still
2: argue about it. But do you know my brother, when we were kids? Ma, he dressed up as a Nazi for Halloween.
1: But we also didn't know back then. Yeah,
2: we didn't know. Do you know but what I mean? My like we all did. dressed him. My parents did it. But you're my mom drew the swastika onto a <laughs> suit. It was adorable. I was dressed as a princess with my sparkler, and he was a full-on S- Nats- Nazi dude with the little mustache. Why did off. he
1: want to be a Nazi? Who
2: knows? Is he really blonde? Do you just so he... feel like he really belongs? No. There? no. Oh. and, and do you know what's so funny the next year and this is the God's honest truth mum was like I think we'll dress you as something a little you know less controversial do you know, what, do you know who we went as Jimmy Savile <laughs> Jimmy Savile she couldn't have known she really couldn't have known how could you have known imagine now if you, if you opened the door and there was a little kid there dressed as a Nazi <laughs> you'd have his parents in prison for hate crimes wouldn't you you would like and that was only in the 90s or something like, he was only
1: about 21 or 22. Oh, now I'm he was, he was like nine or something. <laughs> Your poor brother. <laughs> doing, like, totally doing Harry Windsor on it. You know what the thing is, though? Like, I saw, was it, um, Daniela Moyles, right, went to one of these Japanese geisha things and dressed up as a Japanese geisha and put a picture on Instagram and a load of people were going absolutely apeshit. Mm. And my main question is, well, what do the Japanese people and what do the people of Asian heritage think? Because it's not like, like, and and like, I'm often the person who's like, I think this is a disgrace on Twitter. But then I'm like, I'm, who am I? I'm like fucking posh white girl sitting in her gaff in Dublin 1. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I should defer to the I people o- of colour and to the people whose heritage might be feeling yeah, I taken it, advantage by that. You yeah, know what I, mean?
2: I don't agree with people because it's happened to me a couple of times um, where men have, basically told me that I should be offended about something that's been said on stage, okay? So say at a comedy, in a comedy club or whatever. And I that just blows my mind because I'm like, well, uh, firstly, why, this is a man telling me as a woman that I should be offended by what a man said. Like, I'm like, no, I will decide what I'm offended by or not offended by. Yeah, And no more than that, that geisha thing, What would be interesting is, I don't know, you know, I know you don't have um, access to geishas, um, but to be offended on someone's, on behalf of someone else, I'm just, I just, it just makes me want to take a massive nap. You You want to talk to the people that (laughs) you think you're, it does, you want to talk to the people who you think are offending. I saw... um, I don't know. I think it was Una Malali did a tweet recently where she used the the word queer, talking about herself or her friends or whatever. Yeah. And of course, people were like, You can't use that word. Why? How come we can't use that word and you can use that word? And she was like, Well, I, I'm owning my queerness. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, like so straight people are getting offended on behalf of other gay people because a gay person's using the word queer. Like, it would it would make you just want to yeah. lie it down, wouldn't yeah, yeah, it? yeah.
1: Now the thing for me is I think there's a big difference between being offended and recognizing that something is potentially offensive. So do you know what I mean? Like there doesn't but there need isn't, to be like,
2: Online there's no difference because you're still no. sending out the tweet saying what you've just said is wrong. I don't know. No, agree. but
1: say in the case of a man saying to you you should be offended, right? if you all step back, right, you strip away all of your gender and, and you try to think about it really, Which is really, impossible to well, do. No, I know, of course. But, like, you try to think about it really, really objectively and go, well, look, is what that person said offensive? Not necessarily to you personally, but is it offensive on some level where you're like, hmm, you know, he could have co- come up with... I, I'm presuming it's a man. He, like, it's always a man. Mm-hmm. Like, saying offensive
2: shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, could he have been funny about that topic... In a way that wasn't Potentially offensive I think that's an interesting Question to ask Rather than going Are you not offended As a woman Because yeah. it's like Well maybe you don't get offended But that doesn't mean Something's not offensive Yeah but then every There's always
0: going well, to be Someone
2: offensive. who's there's, Everything's offensive To someone Do you know that way And yeah. I think I suppose because I'm uh, A stand up And I'm in comedy clubs And this I This kind of Conversation comes up a lot, like what's too much? Where's the line? Um, Like, what can you make jokes about? What can't you make jokes about? Um, And I think it's harder. I mean, look, it affects everyone. It's everyone's kind of having chats with themselves and their friends at the moment. But I do think if you get you if you put comedy and stand up in a place where you, you know you have to have your script proofread by an activist and a feminist and all these other types and groups of people to yeah. make sure it's appropriate where does that what am I I'm gonna go out on stage and read a lullaby like what am I gonna do and I think you have to be able to push boundaries especially in stand-up I think that's like the last place you're able to do it and sometimes yeah people do go too far but if you go too far the audience will tell you the audience yeah. will tell you if you go too far I've seen it happen in clubs Um I saw one stand-up one night try and make a joke about something that had just happened, something very sensitive. It was about um, the child who washed up on the shore in Syria, right? The Syrian child, sorry, washed up on the shore. And um, he tried to do a joke about it and l- literally... How? how? The, oh, listen, I don't know. It was it was a couple of years ago now. But I remember the whole audience just went, no, <laughs> literally just no. And he went, no, 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 wait, no. They went, no, they went, no, no, no. no and that was that was the right thing to do yeah. and they that it was it was inappropriate it was wrong it wasn't going to work um and they put him back in his box and i think there's other situations where sometimes i think what's wrong with being offended it's not going to kill you there are bigger issues at play in the world and i also think mm-hmm. i've been introduced on stage sometimes as um or sorry, one time I did a feminist event um, and I was going down to try material on abortion um, and stuff that had worked in clubs about feminism and it was a different room and, and they were saying, before I came on, they were, they were introducing the, the, the night, saying it was a safe space. And I'm like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> what am I going to do here? Because mm-hmm. comedy clubs aren't, like, I don't want to work in a in a comedy club that's a safe space. I don't know what that comedy world is it's not for me I no, want to be able to take the piss out of things I want to be able to push boundaries I'm not offensive I'm not an offensive comic I'm not I don't want to hear rape jokes if a man makes a rape joke I will leave and I will never watch that comic again but I'm not going to try and destroy his, his career. career over it do you know what I mean you know,
1: um, you know what the thing for me is that I think yes there is space to offend people and I don't think uh, comedy should be quote unquote safe but I do think that the people who should be offended like in in an ideal comedy world, mm. we'd be offending the people who are say like the people who are fully able bodied, who are really privileged, who are you know in a position of economic superiority, who are maybe like the assholes or like the people who are idiots. But who or the who are making the that? I know, but like. So 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 I was I'm in this group on Facebook and they were they're mostly based in Australia. It's like women. It's very woke. Well, like you, you have to answer a quiz to get in. And one of the, <laughs> yeah, and one of the one of the quiz questions is, um, do you think white racism is a thing? Like like racism against white people. And another
2: one of the quiz questions is, do you think sex work is real work? So you oh, have to be like super feminist wow. to be in this group. Okay, right? and do you think um, white racism is a thing? No. Okay, and do you what was the other question? Do you think sex work is real work? Uh, I would is say it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, it's, it's fucking hard as well. Yeah, 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 It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm such a lazy bitch. <laughs> I If I could get my boyfriend to pay for my sex, I would 100% take that cash. I Sometimes I offer blowjobs for lifts. Anyway, sorry, oh. go back to... Well, listen, that's,
1: that's just... <laughs> that's just... I'm like... Yeah, totally. That's just a barter system. Sometimes I'd be like... Yeah! You know what you love now? You know what I love when you go to the shop for me? You know what you love?
2: Yeah, a bit like, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, for my boyfriend's last birthday, I didn't have any real money to speak of because I'm doing a lot of travel to the UK at the moment, and everything goes into that and Zara. So basically, I but I wrote, I got him um, fe- sex vouchers. So I thought this would be a great idea. So like, you know, oh no, did he try and cash them all in on a day when you're like roasting and wrecked? So the point is, he was like, what? So he keeps trying to whip them out, and I'm like, no, not in the notes. <laughs> And he's like, Juwan, what is the point of using them if you're in the mood? If you're in the mood, I don't need to use them. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm running out the door to work and he's like waving a blowjob voucher. And I'm like, no, it's not the time. So I'm going to, if I ever do the voucher system again, I'm going to have to put in some heavy T and C, T's and C's at the back. And
1: also, like, I don't know if this is me being really emotional, but like, why do you men want to do it when you're not in the mood? He's, he's
2: totally joking. He is. One no, time I tried no, to watch I mean, a documentary. Historically,
1: sex. like. Oh. Yeah. Well, um I have we're a friend. All, we're, yeah, go on. I have a friend who conceived while watching The Handmaid's Tale. What? That's fucked up. But sorry, can I get back to my feminist group, right? Yes. They were talking about one of the girls had been to one of the women had been to a comedy show in Australia somewhere, let's say Brisbane. It's the only town I can think of. City. And uh the, the comic had made a joke about autism and he had basically somebody had handed him a note from the audience and when he went to read it he went, Oh I I can't, I'm going to do bad. <laughs> I can't read this. And he went, are you autistic or something, mate? And But he said it several times. Yeah. And she said that she and her friend were so offended. And there was something else he said, were, they were so offended that they got it and they left. And then she left a review okay. on the club's Facebook page and just said, I felt really
2: unsafe. and Which
1: I think is slightly dramatic.
2: Thank you. I'm I so can, glad I, you said that. I can, I can
1: understand. She felt
2: unsafe she felt by unsafe. a word on the stage. Yeah,
1: now... I think like maybe she has a sibling with ex- with like very, I, I don't I don't want to say bad but like very um, very extreme activities. autism. You okay. know what I mean that there are levels where people are totally functioning and then other yeah. people can't speak. So I think he has very debilitating autism. And she said that she just felt really upset that she'd come in to like get away from her life and just have it like fun for two hours, and she suddenly was like, "Oh my God, you're attacking my brother!" And she you know she she was really upset, but she left this review. On the club's page, basically saying I didn't feel safe, and you know I've come here a lot of times, and I thought this was really out of line, blah blah blah, and the co- and the comedian himself wrote back and got so aggro and like literally went into every single cliche oh. of like you, like you snowflake, you're so weak, you need to grow a pair, like. Literally just went off on one. Yeah. And it turned into such an amazing shit show of just like back and forth. And also she posted in this like really active feminist group. Yeah, I'll send yeah. it to you. And she posted in this super active group and then everybody was like back and forth. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, I'd be, I'd love to read that. It's feverish. Because I think I'm somewhere in the middle of that. I'm not him and I'm not her. Yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. And I think most people are in the middle. I think most people are somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know, Um Like I'd be, I'd be a very, politically I'm a very left person, like I'm a left person. But I do feel, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm terrified to tweet. I'm terrified to, will this joke work? Will that joke work? And you get frustrated with it.
1: I can, I can give you like a workshop for the tweeting. Oh
2: God. Sometimes
1: I tweet and then like two hours later I'm like, what the fuck
2: did I do that for? You see, you're (laughs) in a different position because I suppose, I don't know, I suppose... We're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah. But I don't, that whole thing, like, I feel unsafe. Unless, like, someone's coming at you with a Stanley knife. Like, I just don't, I don't think words can make you feel unsafe. Unless someone's threatening you yeah. physically. I mean. I don't, I think that is a bit. Like. We, I think she does need to grow a pair. Yeah. I said it. Well, sorry. I not, think she does. Well,
1: like, grow a pair just annoys me because balls are so delicate. Like, grow a pair and She up needs to grow a set of tits. She needs yeah. to grow a set of tits. Just like. Be, she needs to, to grow some armor, emp- some psychological up. armor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I do think words could make you feel unsafe. Say, say if we're going right, totally like hypothetical. Say if you're if you're in a comedy venue and you you look around, you're like, oh, there's like nearly, you know, what? Well, we're pretty pretty much the only women here, and there's like nearly all men. And then mm-hmm. they start making jokes about sexual assault or about rape or something. Then I guess like I understand yeah. how you could feel unsafe yeah. in that environment. Same, yeah. But for her, when I'm a bit like, well. It wasn't a funny joke. Yeah, no, it wasn't a funny joke. Though. That he made. And like, you could totally then take that up with him and be like, that wasn't actually funny. It was just stupid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's talk about that. Yeah. But I do think the reaction was a bit extreme. Let's let's get back to you for a second, right? Yeah. So on a scale of, right, like, Billy Murphy, who's like playing an open mic night in Boris. Mm-hmm.
2: Boris and I'm a Sinossary. huge fan of Billy, actually. Right.
1: <laughs> on a scale of him to Amy Schumer, where are you now? Oh, God. Um, well, I'd definitely be closer to
2: Billy Um, But how
1: do you know, like, as a comedian, what are your benchmarks? So, you know, when you're like, say, if you're trying to be a (coughs) singer and you're like, my dream is always to do X. So what are the benchmarks in in comedy?
2: So, yeah. So you have to kind of learn the ropes, basically. Um, That's why me and Alison Spittler were talking about this the other day. We were doing an interview, actually, for, for this Vodafone Festival's coming up soon, and they were talking about the, the excitement about the amount of women on the lineup. I'm kind of digressing, maybe we'll get there. And I was saying it's so cool, I said it's so it's so it's so deadly. I said, but you have to give those women a chance to get good. Like you know, there's this thing that's like, oh, there's a female comic, and it's so exciting because we were starved of them for so long mm-hmm. that there's a lot of pressure put on them then. And what people forget is you have to learn how to do stand up, and the only way of learning that is to do loads of shit gigs and good yeah. gigs and all that jazz so you
1: think that like a woman who comes forward and goes I'm you know I'm trying to be a comedian is suddenly put on a big stage and I you're think like fuck I'm wor- not ready for this I wor-
2: I were, no I don't think it's definitely going to happen but there's a very strong chance it can yeah, happen yeah. yeah and I think whereas um, men are left in the clubs for maybe longer because there isn't there's so fucking many of them there's so many of yeah, them yeah. exactly there's so many of them so they have a chance to kind of learn their craft more this
1: is so funny because did you read the article the mirror wrote about this quote no.
2: and What quote?
1: So the quote from you about saying that you think that, that women are sometimes pushed. No, I didn't know that they'd I, used it. I, I'm pretty sure it was the mirror. And they basically, I think the headline was like, Joanne McNally says, is basically against gender quotas. Oh, fuck. So it was kind of saying that like, like Joanne McNally's worried that, that women are being used to fill quotas. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, I kind of get the point you're making. Yeah, no, no,
2: no. I don't think I like the all. initial thing,
1: I was like, oh, we're going to have to talk about this. And then I no. read it and I was like, oh, no, I get it.
2: No, it's that I worry that... It's too much pressure on them. Mm. Do you know that kind of way that it's like brilliant. Yes, another female comic is coming through. Here's this festival gig in front of a thousand people. Yeah, um, and potentially they're not ready for it. Whereas men are left in the club. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying do I'm a you, gender. I'm all about the gender quail.
1: Do you feel like that's ever happened to you? Like that that, that you've think, been on a stage where you've suddenly gone? I'm not. A, I'm not ready for this.
2: Oh yeah, this. all the time. But that's. Is that just
1: imposter syndrome
2: though? Yeah of course yeah. Yeah. But you have to challenge yourself All the time Like if I Like at the moment I'm You know My agents are uh, pushing me To book a Vicar Street And I'm Worried that I won't be able To sell it um, so they're like, but you have to take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, whereas I'd much prefer to book a smaller venue, sell it, not have the stress of it, mm-hmm. whereas they're like, no, you have to go take yourself to the next level now. So what if you sell 10 tickets? You have to take the chance on it. Um, I would be riddled with imposter syndrome. Who isn't?
1: Do you look back now on any of your gigs and, and like... Oh, would you, sorry, just to clarify, oh, I'm yeah. all
2: about gender quotas. <laughs> oh yeah. It's that's just that's like, all about them. Like, you know, I think there was, um, especially in comedy, um, areas that were just shut off to women because mm. it was just assumed you weren't up to it, you weren't able for yeah. it. And so gender quotas were absolutely necessary to break that barrier and to let women in, whether it be chat shows, panel shows, whatever mm-hmm. it was. And then once that happens, then it can be done on merit again. And it's not like those women are going to be put in if they're not good enough. It's that whoever's running that show just doesn't think yeah. that any women ne- are good enough. Needs to have
1: a bigger pool of talent to pick exactly. from. Exactly to be able to go. Oh yeah, you know what? There are women who talk about that. There are women yeah. who are experts in economics as yeah. well. There are women who talk about this. And
2: who like what they do? What people I think really forget is that as a punter sitting in the audience of a lineup of a festival or whatever. It's so much more interesting to, oh, have, to have different, of different perspectives. Yeah, Like yeah. why do you want to see the same man get up and tell the same story about his divorce yeah. and hating his wife and like grand, like one of that. Great, that's funny. Let's go with that. Then I, else, then I want someone else and then I want someone else and then I want someone else and then I want someone else.
1: Yeah, there's a really interesting discussion going on about this right now and I'll link it in the show notes. But um, Lionel Shriver wrote a piece for Oh, I can't remember. It was like something big, the New York Times or something. But she was talking about because Penguin has said that it's bringing in diversity quotas for its authors in the UK. And by, I think, 2025, it wants its stable of authors to represent the UK better. So to mm. have more Indian authors and to have more Pakistani authors and to have more people of colour. And Lionel Shriver, who is an author, um, a, a female author, you know, she wrote, uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yeah. And she came out and basically said that she thought this was really damaging for creativity. And I'm like, if I paraphrase her, I'll paraphrase her wrong, because it was definitely a very detailed and academic piece, but... I did think it was very interesting because I would love to hear somebody who is Indian or Pakistani or a person of colour yeah. saying they think it's wrong. Yeah. It's easy for her to be like, well, I've made it this far and I'm white and I'm now really rich. Yeah, I know. And I think this is a bit ridiculous. Yeah. But like, well, what do the people think who haven't been, haven't been given those chances? Yeah,
2: I know. And it's, it's a difficult one as well, because then there are people who are talented in, say, if it's like say, white women or whatever, I don't know. Again, like, I don't know enough about writing and publishing and all. But, like, I know that the film board, I think, are doing something similar that they want, the Irish film board, that they Mm. want in a couple of years' time for it to be 50-50, which Men and women. Yeah. And now, again, I'm paraphrasing to within an inch of my mind. Someone told me this after we'd had seven wines. But there was something along the lines of that now they're not actually taking male applications, at entry level, which in is a lot of places problematic, because yeah. they have to get this. Um, the quotas up, yeah, yeah. So, like, the thing is riddled with problems. Yeah. But I think there, there's always going to be those issues, and then it'll eventually balance itself out. And we're at that really awkward, niggly stage at the moment. But yeah. something ha- like we are, I think, doing the right thing. We are still yeah, doing yeah, the right yeah, thing, yeah. and I think. There, there's always collateral damage in these things, and you, and you're, you, it's whether you think it's worth kind of, it's worth it for the bigger picture. Yeah, you know. But I
1: mean, you only have to look at they released the lineup for I think it was Taste of Cavan or something the other day, and there were these these like uh, press
2: photos, and there were five men in them. Mm. Do you
1: know what I mean? And you're like, you really couldn't get. I know. One now, woman. I, I know. but Now
2: it's like, who's you doing your PR? Like, it's tone deaf now yeah. to to not have. Different people represented yeah. and things like that. But sometimes
1: like like I had a conversation with somebody recently who was doing something like they were taking photos for their company's website. And I said, you know, make sure, because because I've been in there and and I I knew it was like mostly white men, like a lot of companies are. And I said, make sure you get your one in and make sure you get that Indian guy and that black guy. And they were like, oh God, I wouldn't even thought of that. Yeah. And I was like, well, why the fuck not? Yeah. But But also, like, you don't want to misrepresent it and be like, we're really multicultural when literally you have a 100 white men and three other people.
2: I know. And that's the thing. A lot of it can be aesthetics as well. And you don't know, like, you're kind of, people might feel like they're just getting wheeled out for the photo calls and then they're thrown into the back of the office again and you don't see them again for another year, you know? I'd say that's happening. You just a sort lot. the post back here, yeah, and yeah. Then when yeah. it comes to like
1: corporate photo time, we'll put a suit on you and take CEO, out the front, yeah. yeah. Um, so t- your show, bite me. Mm. Your show. Mm. Let me tell you about your show. Oh, great, thank you. Which I didn't see because I was meant to go with my friend, and then what happened? I think I was too depressed. Like that's not hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was all about your eating disorder. Yeah. So obviously, you're someone who minds your own experience for your comedy. Do you do that yeah. with with like? Do you take bits of your friends and family and what they say to you and their experiences and how do you decide what's too much to, t- to take or too much to share? If my you know family I mean.
2: tell me. So mm-hmm. um, it's happened twice, maybe that because I'd be kind of like I'd be pretty gat like I just kind of talk and um, it's happened once or twice where I had like my family ring me and be like, knock ill." I don't want to be discussed in this way. I don't want to be discussed in that way. And I had to, at the time, I was like, Whoa, sensitive, who cares? And then I had to um, accept defeat and be like, yeah, grand, I won't ever talk about them again. And things like, um, so like I'm adopted, so I, I I used to talk, not in detail or anything, but talk about my adoption and, and finding my birth parents. And then my birth mother contacted me, was like, don't talk about me. So like, it happens a lot. I okay. tend to just talk. Until someone tells me to not talk about them anymore, but I'm more aware of it now.
1: So you're 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 of the, like ask for for forgiveness not permission. School of thought.
2: I wa- I was, but now I'd be more wary.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. I've,
2: yeah, I'm a more I'm more aware of it now. Plus, I suppose the more work you do at the time, I just felt like no one's reading this stuff. You forget that people, you forget yeah. it's like that mirror. Like I can't. Like it's so stupid. Do you know that kind of way? Um, you forget that people are looking to make stuff out of this stuff. But to you fill also,
1: I mean, you also whatever. forget, I think, that everything that we do now is permanent. Yeah. So Someone's tweeting a quote from your show or someone's taking it down, putting it on Facebook or someone, even if it's not filmed, it's not recorded. Yeah. It's and never going
2: away. It's so scary. That's, um, context is a big issue as well in the world of comedy. Like stuff that you would say, like if you wrote, like I've been at gigs where if you wrote out that set and put it online... They'd probably never work again. Yeah, yeah but in yeah. the room and within the vibe of us, and they're yeah. killing everyone's hysterical. They're like, like, like um, people stuck to the ceiling laughing so hard. It's just yeah. context has a lot to do with it as well. And those kind of quotes that they pull out, one line here and one line there, they can be very misleading.
1: Yeah, and I, and I mean it's all timing as well because if you think about, say, like the week before the referendum that that just was, if if you had come out and done a like jokey, you know what the problem with feminists is set you would have been killed. Yeah, like of course. In, in Dublin, like, in a certain area yeah. because everybody was up to 90. But if you did it the day after, it would have been like, this is gas because yeah. we're all relaxed now. Yeah,
2: all the tension was released. Yeah. And you could say, yeah, completely. And it's funny, like, even um, the second that's, the second um, the referendum was over, I remember I tried to do something about abortion in a club. People just weren't interested anymore. It's over. Yeah. It's done.
1: So just like, don't want to talk about it yeah, anymore. Yeah,
2: it's, it's just over. And it wasn't even stuff about repeal. It was just like... I can't remember what the joke was now, but I was like, "All right, we're, we're no one cares about that anymore." Wow, because it was a stage where making an abortion joke in a, in a comedy club, and this was like up before the referendum, yeah. would still suck the air out of the room. Yeah, in the UK, you could do it. No bother. Here, it's it was still a really and well, it, of course was, it was so sensitive, sensitive about it as yeah, well. Yeah, so sensitive about it. Yeah.
1: So if bite me was about your eating disorder, is wine Tamer about your alcoholism? No.
2: No, although my mum was asking me that. Um, no, it's not. So I've kind of, the eating disorder thing felt like it was Una McEvitt who I work with a lot. She was the one who directed Singlehood um, and she's actually my best mate's sister. So we grew up knowing each other, but Una was always the kind of very scary, <laughs> older older, um, power lesbian sister <laughs> who um, listened to we loads of, one. listened to loads of Sinead O'Connor and hated the church and. um So I was terrified of her. Like we'd no, we'd no relationship at all. And then she began to mellow a bit. She got older, and uh,
1: (laughs) not like you got mature. No,
2: she mellowed. mellowed. She mellowed. Came back to the church. No money, nothing. Um, she mellowed a bit, and I got a bit more mature. And she was in the civil service at the time, and she was dying to get out. Like that family, they'd be quite creative, and they read a lot and stuff. And uh, she was like, "I want to write. I want to do something in theatre, And she was like, "I'm going to put together this show called Singlehood." She asked me, I was at the electric picnic, I had done nothing at this stage, I was just out of treatment, so I was really at a loss, I didn't know what I was going to do. I would left my job, um, I'd had to, because I'd gone mad, so I was kind of swinging in the wind, and she said, do you want to do this? I think she kind of felt that it would be something I'd enjoy doing, Um uh, I was always a bit of a show pony, not like mm. in an irritating way, <laughs> just in a norm, normal that's what way. You think. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's why I said that at the end. I was like, "Oh God, it makes me sound terrible," but I always loved telling stories and all. And um, so I got involved with that. So that was the first stage stuff I'd done. That was about being single and all that jazz. And then Una suggested because I'd written all this stuff. I'd written Bite Me. I thought maybe I might try and turn it into a book or something. Yeah. I just knew that writing made me happy now and that I didn't have to do my old job anymore. And now kind of the world was my oyster, even though I had no money and I was still quite unwell at the time. But I knew that I, ha- I had to do a change of career. Yeah. Um. And she said, look, why don't we make a show out of Bite Me? So we did that. And yeah, I'm really proud of Bite Me. It was a great little show. And we got two years out of it and it toured and we, we did it went to Edinburgh and there's talk of it going to Soho now um, so then you're like right do I just have to come up do I have to have a mental health issue every time I want to write a show like is that the deal so Wine timer is nothing about anything as in like it's okay. just
1: it's just a comedy classic show classic stand up show yeah. yeah it's
2: just jokes um, I mean I definitely drink too much there's no <laughs> doubt about that
1: Well, we all, I mean we're Irish
2: yeah, I know. That's why we kind of get away with us. Yeah. Um, but, you,
1: but you know, whenever you hear Americans, especially young Americans saying like, oh, I'm actually teetotal because I'm an alcoholic. Mm. And you're like, I bet that fuck... and like, I'm sorry, this is very disrespectful, but I bet that fucking means that you drink five beers on a Friday. Yeah. And then you wake up with a hangover. Like, that's our... Three days a week I know but they're, uh, but they're we're We're in the wrong Oh no I know yeah. When I lived in Italy I remember um, When I wasn't like On the night off That I wasn't working at the bar I would go And like sometimes Sometimes they made me pay for my drinks Because I was like I'll go and drink for free But no I used to get like two free drinks But after about three drinks They'd be like Are you going home now? I'd be like What the fuck are you talking I'm gonna about? I'm going <laughs> Yeah It's like ten o'clock I know I'm going to have six more And then I'm going to go to that club but up it's there ter- like are like really, so bad
2: It's really bad And like at the moment I am fascinated with women and how we drink because there's now more females representing or presenting with alcoholism than males in Ireland uh, which is the first time in history and I worry, what is it doing to my insides? Like there's women with um, liver failure now women in their thirties and it's this wine o'clock, wine o'clock it's this chic refreshment oh this is like female but we're just business women having a wine
1: it's like t-t- uh, t-shirts that say like time for Prosecco yeah Prosecco yeah hour.
2: why not and actually um we've convinced ourselves that we're like you know touching on sommeliers and actually we're just piss heads and I do wonder what effect it's having on my body and I also wonder like how much of it is habit? Like, what is what's the difference between being a, an alcoholic and having alcohol dependency issues? Mm-hmm. If you have to yeah. have a drink every day, are you an alcoholic, or is an alcoholic someone who can never have just one drink?
1: I, mean, I know you don't
2: have the answers. These are just questions well, I ask myself.
1: Oh, contraire, Joanne, I do have some. Do options. you?
2: No. Oh. <laughs>
1: well, I have I have some opinions. Surprise,
2: surprise. Yeah, go.
1: I think I think alcoholism is almost like, um, say, if I said depression right that's kind of a spectrum that that includes the person who like ha- is having like serious suicidal thoughts and can't mm. get out of bed and it includes the person who's getting out of bed and going to work but then feels like crying every time you know every evening when they come home so the same way alcoholism i think a lot of people could be alcoholics if they tick several of the following boxes which are like you absolutely need to drink every day yeah. you cannot stop drinking once you start drinking you drink all day and night and you wake up in the morning and have a whiskey chaser you know what yeah. i mean so like i do think there are, like, there's a spectrum yeah. where there's somebody who cannot function. But then there's, like, the insidious, the, like, I drink a bottle of wine five nights a week because yeah. I'm really stressed in work. I know. And, like, are you an alcoholic? You could probably give it up if you wanted to, but yeah. you're also drinking way too much. Yeah,
2: exactly. that's exactly, and that's where I think a lot of women are, actually. Yeah. Uh, our age um, women, that's what they're doing. They're kind of sinking, two glass of wine, three glasses of wine, four glasses of wine a night, Um Because they're stressed and like, they're just, they switch off. Like, that's what they, that's what I use wine for. It's to switch off. And in my mind, it's my reward. I'm like, oh, I've had a really busy day now. I've done this and I've written this and I'll reward myself with wine. And then I get really paranoid and I'm like, because I had, you know, I was very sick with eating disorders and that is an addiction. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, bulimia, anorexia, like it is an addiction um, that I worry. I'm like, oh God, like, am I now substituting wine with what was bulimia. Um, I used to smoke a lot. I'm on the vape now. Like, I just feel like there's always, I always need to have something to change my state. I'm always trying to, like, change my state in the evenings.
1: I think as well, once you're any kind of addict, whether it's, like, cigarettes. So, like, I used to smoke, although I've started smoking again lately, which is really annoying and stupid. What? I know. And what about the weights and all? Well, I'm still lifting-ish, like, but, like, not five times a week, like once or twice a week now. Yeah, no, no, I'm Things so. Have I'm taking a slide. It's um, too hot. Yeah, it's
2: very hot. But. Smoking, that's the thing. Smoking's desperate. Smoking's desperate. And to be honest, and this is desperate, but the cancer doesn't seem to stop me. But when I think about my face, that stops me because I'm like, it'll ruin my face. You
1: know what stopped me the first time? So I gave up. I quit for like four years and just completely cold turkey when. Because I went for um, fertility testing and I found out that I had a really low egg count, mm. right? And, and, and I've never particularly wanted kids or actually up until probably this year I would have said I definitely don't want kids this year I'm a bit like oh maybe they're alright yeah. that one's cute you know that one's a shithead but that one's alright Um, but I went for fertility testing and when they came back and they said yeah you've liked the eggs of like a 55 year old woman right no. <laughs> I was suddenly like what and I suddenly went here's this thing that I can't control like my little eggs and then here's the thing that I can control mm. smoking and I was like why am I doing this when mm. this is going to make this even worse like this is going to kill even more eggs and I don't have yeah. that many to begin with Um. But what I was going to say is that I, I think if you're, if you're somebody who's been addicted to anything, mm. whether it's like exercise, whether it's, you know, anorexia, bulimia, smoking, drugs, there's always a the temptation or there's always the worry that you're replacing it with something else. Yeah, exactly. So like there's loads of stuff that I just would never do. So like I have never done... Drugs, I, like, I've never done any kind of pills. I've smoked hash when I was younger because mm. that's what we did when I was younger. Um, because I'm basically like, I know that I would love it. Yeah. And I know that I would wake up the next day and be like, when are we doing that again? Because even when I'm smoking, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, when am I smoking? God, that's such self-control
2: to know. If I was like, I know I'm going to enjoy that, I'd be like, that's why I'm going to do it.
1: No, but I think, I mean, because I, I, I was listening to another podcast, so I listen to the New York Times the Daily every day. So mm. they do like news from, news from America. It's the news from America and today they were talking about the opioid crisis
0: mm.
1: and they were talking about how people who are prescribed fentanyl patches for pain relief and they open up the patches and they eat them and like they were talking about this, this couple what? that was opening up the p- patches and dividing them and eating them between them and you get this huge it's basically like taking heroin Wow and I was literally sitting there going I'd love to get some fentanyl where did I get that? Where- <laughs> Where could I get that? I'd love to but I, but I was also going, I feel like if I did any of that, like another friend of mine told me that she went to a party a couple of weeks ago and they took two volumes and drank a bottle of Prosecco and she was like, I've never been so happy in my entire life, right? And that I That
2: does sound lovely I know, and flouty. But
1: I think as well because I'm depressed, I'm like, if I did that. I could never go back to my real life. No.
2: Like really, I would wake yeah. up the next day
1: and be like I'm killing myself because yeah. I'm so down now compared to where I was. Oh yeah. So I could never do the fentanyl or any of that now. No
2: you really I have to watch because especially like to be honest like alcohol like I know when I've had like some heavy drinking sessions um, and I take like Prozac still from, from off the back of since when I was bleeding because it, it stops all your compulsions and I just never came off it because I just don't want to take the chance. Yeah. But, like, if I can go, if I can get that really, you know, the fear, but, like, yeah. more than the fear. This insane feeling of, because drink, it just, it basically just sucks all the endorphins out of your body and your brain and all your serotonin. Everything's gone. Definitely, if you're depressed, you shouldn't drink at all. Well, I I stopped drinking. Just suck, suck the top of a deodorant um, can or something.
1: Ugh. Ugh. Actually There's a bathroom in work That always smells like Lynx Anyway mm. I I didn't drink oh, at all For like I
2: oh. No I like
1: Lynx But this smells like Like teenage boys bedroom Lynx It's, oh. it's not like
2: No Is it Lynx Africa? I
1: don't know what is it is Is Lynx Apollo? I don't know what it is Okay Join. It's some kind of Lynx Yeah love it that. Listen It could be like Old Spice Who knows <gasps> I'm generalising Oh god No Um. <laughs> but What was I going to say Uh Drinking. Oh, yeah. I didn't drink for probably about 18 months or two years. And lately I've started drinking again, but not like... So I wouldn't say I drink in the way that most... are um, I'm not like most Irish girls. Yeah. But I kind of would have the odd glass of wine. But like that, I'm like, I can never... I can't really get drunk. Yeah. Because the next two, three days are so miserable.
2: Yeah. It's not worth it.
1: Like, it is worth it in the moment. But at least you can connect ruins the ruins two.
2: Life. You can connect the two, though. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I'm very if you know that marshmallow test like I've no sense of delayed
1: no? oh if you could have one marshmallow now or two marshmallows yeah, later yeah, yeah, yeah
2: I'd be a big marshmallow now girl like I've <laughs> no sense of delayed what is it Delayed gratification like I have to I'm quite self-indulgent like if I want it now I'll have it now
1: I wonder what I would be I think like years of Weight Watchers would make me go like, have the one marshmallow because it's half, half the amount of points. Yeah. But then 10 minutes later, I'd be like, fuck it, I should have taken the two marshmallows. Yeah. Yeah,
2: right, yeah I'd be so annoyed. Um, They're quite low on points, marshmallows. Because it, back in the day, because I did weight way back in the day as well, oh. um, that they only counted fat in things. They didn't take oh, sugar into consideration. but they it now. Yeah, of course they yeah. have. Yeah.
1: God, if you could get your hands on some of the old books, you could really have a great time. I know. Not counting any sugar, but yeah. like, this is great. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So I was Googling you today, mm. right, um, because I wanted to see the name of your shows, because I, sorry, I didn't know off my heart. That's okay. Um, and I found loads of pictures of you, and you had lovely red hair. Oh, God, yeah. But I also found a picture of you standing beside Blind Boy, and I want some insider gossip. Is he a ride? This is my obsession.
2: Are you obsessed with Blind Boy? No, <clears> I'm obsessed because somebody told me he was a ride. <clears throat> he is very good looking, yeah. He is, yeah. He is, yeah. Okay. They're both actually very good looking. The other one who... Oh, I, yeah. The other boat one just, Everybody forgets. No, no, he's
1: Blind Boy Bow Club. Yeah, what's the, other the one other 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 is...
2: is I can't remember. But they're both they're both Why actually the quite nice. one?
1: I don't know. He doesn't get his time in the sun. No. Blind Boy's really now Taken off. Blind Boy's really like the Meryl Streep of that Death Becomes Her
2: equation <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> oh, Death Becomes is one of my favourite films
1: ever. Have you been watching Love Island?
2: No. Oh. I know, sorry. Because I
1: think Wes is really the Bruce Willis character in Love Island. Really? So Wes, Wes in Love Island was, was with this girl for a couple of weeks they were getting on really well he told her he was falling Oh I know her. this story.
0: Yeah and then Laura
1: Laura. Yeah, and then Megan comes along and is like, "I think I kind of fancy you." Yeah, and he immediately is like, "Like cartoon, like her hearts coming out of his eyes." Dumps Laura, and I think like Laura is the is the Meryl Streep character. Oh, very going like, Oh, hello, and yeah. Bruce Willis going, "Forget about this one that I love. I yeah. fancy you now."
2: Well, I was reading an article today. I was saying that um, women ringing up um, clinics looking for um, cosmetic procedures and fillers have gone up. Seventy-five oh. percent.
1: Well, I thought you were going to say seven hundred. Like, I am not surprised yeah. because I would con- like I would be pretty. I'm not anti-plastic. I'm not, not anti cosmetic surgery, mm. but I'm anti the culture that makes us all think we want it. Do yeah, so you know course, what I mean. Yeah. But I'm also going. If you want to get it done, like you only get one life, and you have to live here, and if it's going to make you happier. And I'm literally now going. You know what can make me happier? I had a dream the other night that I had dermal fillers in my jawline. You, you can get that done to make your jawline look more defined. Okay. And I had this dream, and I woke up and I was really sad.
2: That you I'm hadn't like, had it Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to go and get the jawline fillers mm. And I'm literally now going Maybe I can just get a bit of dust, Just get a bit of lip filler Like Because Megan is Fucking right, right. She is gorgeous
2: now, 20 grand Is what she's put into her face 20 grand
1: but listen, listen I've put 20 grand into my wardrobe And I still have nothing to wear yeah, So I'd rather like, put
2: it in my face I'm I'm not against it Like I'm not against it I do think that What do I think I think it's weird territory. I think mm-hmm. like you, I hate that suddenly it's porn. I blame porn. Well,
1: yeah, well I yeah. blame
2: porn. I blame porn.
1: But also the the pornification of everyday life. So like I, I was reading an interesting article as well about how five or six years ago looking like a Kardashian was weird. Do mm. you know what I mean that like they looked like weird robot yeah. dolls and everyone was like, They look mad and like look at their mad arses. Whereas now everyone looks like them. Yeah. And like all of the top beauty and fashion influencers all look like Kardashians yeah. now. But the they big, all have the same. The big, the big lips, lips and all. And they
2: look like, I think they look like they've come out of one of those Japanese vending machines that sells the knickers that businessmen smell. Like there's just something, they're so sexual. And like the, these huge, big blowjobby lips. I'd love to have lips like that. Naturally, I would love it so much. I think big lips are so sexy and beautiful. But when you when you've had them filled. You can can always tell. tell. And I think you lose points then. You you win (sighs) points if you get them naturally.
1: It's not a game. It is a it's game. Not a, it's not what a I game. mean is
2: that from if if you're no, admiring someone's appearance,
1: yeah, oh yeah, 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 if it's you a do natural kind of go, thing, well, yeah. But that's what's funny about Megan is that when she first came on Love Island, she actually looks quite natural. So everyone's just like, she is just a beautiful looking girl. Yeah. And then this all came out, and you're like, oh my god, she looks so different yeah. before and and now it's like, oh, she's it's all surgery.
2: Her work. I know. I sound very Hollywood now, but her work is amazing. Her work
1: is amazing. It's
2: Amazing. Now, bearing was, in mind, she's also what age is she? Twenty something.
1: Mm. Yeah 20 something You know what you Remind me of there With the Japanese Vending machines In this woke Feminist group I'm in there's Which I'm a lot now of
2: Fascinated by
1: Yeah it, it is really Fascinating There's a lot of Talk about money And there's a lot Of talk about How to make money And how to Ask for promotions And people saying You know I've just Found out that I'm Getting paid less Than my colleagues And blah 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 And what do I do And I'm, I mean it's, it's Women so there's a lot Of talk about Relationships as well And there's a lot Of talk about Everything but one woman came on and said, I'm, I'm in college. I'm really broke. I'm looking for a quick way to make money. Does anybody know? I think she was saying, does anybody know any of those good survey sites? So do you know 10 years ago you, you could do surveys online and get a tenner? Yeah. And you can't really do that anymore because yeah. there's too many people online, basically. Yeah. And she's like, does anybody know any good survey sites? Like, I have time, but I just need to make a quick book. And somebody commented and was like, if, if you're not squeamish about it, you should look into selling your knickers. She was like, there's this site my friend does. it. She makes, <laughs> she makes $250 a week. So you don't put a picture of your face, but she puts up pictures of her body. And she was like, you might get some odd requests. Sometimes they ask for like knickers you've gone to the gym wearing. Yeah. Um, knickers you've, you've like free bled in. So you've worn while you had your period <gasps> and no tampon or anything. Um, they'll ask for like knickers you've slept in, like wear them for four days straight. And she was like, so if you can put up with that, it's great.
2: And once again, I was like, eh, maybe I'd do that. Is that not kind of, does that not go against feminism in some way? Does that not feel anti-feminist? Or is that I mean, the empowering part of feminism? No, like, well, like, I think the
1: empowering part of feminism is I can make money from the patriarchy, the patriarchy that has kept me okay. down. Now I can take advantage of this pornification of the world and mm. go, you know what? I'm going to use this to make fucking money. Yeah, and um, like from a like very extreme feminist point of view, you'd be like, that's really gross, and we shouldn't be fueling like men basically dictating what you do and don't do with your knickers and then buying them from you. Yeah. My main issue is right, a GDP or, right? Yeah. So like, what are you doing with my DNA? How long are you going to keep it? Yeah. How do I know you're not sampling that DNA? How do I know you're not putting me into what's that thing called in America? That that database, and then I could be found guilty of a crime that I've never done a crime. But like, if I did, yeah, that this or like the Golden State Killer, that you're going to put this into my heritage you're going to find my relatives and then people are going to know that I'm related to the Golden
2: State Killer. Or like, Black Mirror, do you know when they cloned? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean that seems like that's literally around the corner. Black Mirror seems almost kind of like it predicts the future now rather than mocks the future. Well,
1: I think since Donald Trump got elected we're in Black Mirror now.
2: We are in Black Mirror now, yeah.
1: Like, and I I, I was saying a thing today that when he comes to the UK they're erecting this giant blimp of him. It's, it's, it's like a baby Donald that. Trump, right? Yeah. But I was like, it's so bizarre that this is happening and he's going to see that. And like I was almost kind of feeling sorry for him, but I was like well, how, what's he, how's he gonna feel what's I know I did read an that? interview
2: with him or I heard sorry I didn't read I didn't read an interview with him I heard a sound clip taken and he was saying I had to ask am I really that bad and like my feeling about Donald Trump because he was talking about like people hating him
1: yeah
2: is that I think Donald Trump is Donald Trump is one man right he's a yeah. businessman like he's a complete narcissist I'd imagine I don't know how um, Melania even deals with it but I think he like is. Say she doesn't. No, I think now like their she time together is doesn't. minimal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he is the conclusion. I think Donald Trump is a consequence of something. I don't think he started anything himself. Do
1: you think, well, like, we almost wished him into existence by the way, like, the way the world is going made him? Yeah, I like, think... Like, we facilitated his rise to fame by being we, obsessed with reality TV, by no, not us, like, everybody. I think, the world.
2: I think if you don't live in America, it's very hard to understand what's actually yeah. going on over there. Um, I think emigration is a huge issue over there no more than it is here that like that's why that was why Brexit happened was immigration
1: Immigration you mean? Immigration Like people coming in People coming in Sorry, immigration I was like I don't think that many Americans leave America Sorry,
2: immigration, immigration Um, and I think it's very hard for us sitting over here it's so easy for us to go that racist bastard and like that's oversimplifying what's Mm -hmm. actually going on Mm -hmm. over there I think it's a really complicated situation Um, I think America's split right down the middle on it Um, yeah so I think kind of I know that people are directing their anger at him like just yeah. him, which, which, and then calling everyone who voted him in a racist, and that's just not the case, no. it's way more complicated than that,
1: yeah. And and actually, like, it almost deflects from the real issues, which are like, why is there such huge, huge what's inequality? happening? Like, why, why is, is there he such there? Of employment in Wisconsin, why is this happening? Like, why is
2: there a shift to the right globally? Yeah, like, yeah, why is yeah. that happening? What is what's going on there? Um. And it's the same in the UK. Like yeah, I know that, that, that it's pretty much but the not exact here. Same thing. Not we're here. We're actually remarkably liberal, but we are very, we're very liberal and very progressive. Yeah. Yeah. And well we give ourselves, we give ourselves all down. A, oh yeah, he's made some comment about Trump today.
1: Better Trump is kind of right about the media,
2: or something. Yeah, but I'd imagine I like I can just imagine you're in that position. Do you remember he got some some woman, some politician was given out to him because he had an expensive jacket? <sighs> yeah. And well that's like,
1: bullshit That it was, was like, bullshit like, His jacket costs Four weeks of the dole And you're like What do you want him To be going around in rags Yeah Like he I can know. do What he wants with his wage Like that's yeah, just a stupid Yeah it's just like, wage Exactly
2: but you ma- imagine Just being like At that all the time yeah. My favourite quote was um, Donald Trump When he met the um, Leader of uh, North Korea Kim Jong His name I always get wrong Kim Jong Il Kim Jong Il Yeah And Donald Trump said um, I like Kim Jong Il His people respect him yeah. Did he actually say yeah. that? Yeah. He goes. I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of admiration for him because his people respect and they show him respect. Ie, you don't show me respect. He's a dictator. His people are terrified of him. I went to the most interesting talk on North Korea. I went to the. I go to the Dorky Book Fest. Um, most years. only' not on, on three years, I think. And it's so good. It sounds boring. It's not. At all. And I went to this amazing chat um, this year on North Korea. The woman's name was Su Ki- Kim. Um, I've probably got that wrong. I'm really bad at names. Uh, but she kind of infiltrated North Korea for like 10 years in various guises. And it's about that and like kind of being on the inside and everyone's lying in North Korea. So mm-hmm. she went in as a Christian, lying because she's not a Christian, yeah, yeah. to get in with a Christian group who were also lying About being Christians, Um, it's just madness. But she was saying this. He's called the great, the great leader, and everything in North Korea is about the great leader. You can't play music unless it's singing for the great leader. They have a newspaper that comes out; every story in it is about the great leader. She was like, "It's so wild, it's nuts, isn't it? So wild, yeah, so wild." And it's fascinating to listen to her talk. Um, But it must be so stressful
1: as well if you're. Like, have you seen The Handmaid's Tale?
2: Yeah. So you know the way in The Handmaid's one. Tale.
1: Uh, none of them know who's. So you know when, like, uh, Offred meets of the the other one. I can't remember her name, but when she meets her shopping partner, mm. and she doesn't realize that she's kind of in the resistance too, and that the two of them are fucking fucked off with this life. Mm. And like, they haven't said anything because they're both pretending to be perfect, to be really nice. Yeah. She's like, I thought you were really pious. And she's like, well, I thought you were, it must be so stressful to yeah. be in North Korea and be like, I really want to chat to someone about how nuts this is. But you can't, they all but spy. You it's like the yeah, Stasi, yeah, yeah. they
2: all, they're all um, obligated to report on each it's other. It's like your baby brother.
1: Yeah. Your big brother? Yeah. baby brother. As in what you mean? With his SS outfit.
2: Oh, my My big brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reporting on me to my parents and all. He used to do that. He used to, in the morning, he'd give me Alpen with um. Milk and he'd met, like, or he'd give me ice cream after dinner and then I'd eat it and then he'd take a picture of me while I was eating it and then go up and tell my parents I ate it, even though he'd given it to me. So when we got our photos, you know, back in the day when yeah, you wait yeah. and you get your photos developed and there was just constantly pictures of me in the fridge or eating sandwiches <gasps> I wasn't allowed to eat or eating ice cream I wasn't allowed to eat. Do
1: you think this had anything to do with your eating disorder? Not no, but do you, know what it,
2: do you know what it was for him? Because um, when I, he's five years older than me, and for those five years before I arrived on the scene, oh, Oh he was having a great time He was The Fabergé egg Of the family Everyone was obsessed with him Beautiful looking little boy And then I arrived On the scene Boom It was all over for him It was and all about me And all of a sudden he was in
1: the SS costume yeah. And you were the princess Suddenly, Yeah, yeah Basically yeah <laughs> Well Joanne
2: Well Rosemary We've reached the end of our time for together for on my podcast
1: <laughs> Oh my god
2: It's been you, so nice to have you
1: You should do a podcast
2: I'd love to do a podcast I'd love. You've got a very one. annoying voice I know No you don't Do you you not don't. think we have the same accent though
1: um, I'm from Kildare. Yeah, but yeah, yeah like pretty much. I don't have a Kildare accent at all.
2: No, but you would have. A, I would think I would South have a Sligo so like, do accent yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we have a pretty similar. I'd love to do a podcast, and I was going to do one, but I didn't want to do one on my own. And then when I, when I, it's hard. Yeah, and I, 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 have more crack with other people.
1: Yeah,
2: and then I was going to do one on interview. the The person I was doing it with the the network were like, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I'd like to do something like this." And they said a very good point, which I'm sure you've taken into consideration. They said, if you make your podcast about your guests, like if you, if your are then if you're, the listener will only listen if, if they, they are like interested the in that guest. Yeah. So you yeah. have massive drop off with certain people, which you'll probably have with yeah. me, And then massive gains with other people. And so they were like, if you're, but if your podcast is themed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally. And, and then people, you people are interested in, in the
1: theme. Yeah. I mean, I that's kind of why I talk so much on my podcast because I want my podcast to be kind of about me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that when people listen in, they're like, they're like, oh, I like Rosemary McCabe's podcast. I wonder who she has on this yeah, week. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: But um, no, like it is definitely... Because I've like like the odd week where you're like oh, you don't have a guest could I just talk myself I don't know if I would
2: I know it's I hard I love talking like you'd have hard. to write
1: you like, have to write it all out yeah, yeah you'd have to write yeah. it
2: out what you're going to talk about and stuff like it's intense you know what I mean it's a lot of work like it's a lot of work
1: yeah no, no it is a lot of work um, where can people find you if they want to follow you buy tickets to your gigs buy your t-shirt
2: um, so I'm on Twitter at Joe McNally and I'm on Instagram Joanne McNally Comedy and I'm kind of on Facebook but I think Facebook's dead now isn't it? It's kind of I mean, just for my mom. My
1: mom I was about to say yeah. my mom's getting into it now, which is it's the death now, yeah, isn't. It? It's a sign, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she talks about her French you Oh, you know, my friend saw this on Facebook. And you're like, oh, it's oh, over here we now. Go. Yeah. 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 But thank you so much for joining me. And uh maybe I'll see you on a podcast someday soon. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening to How to Be Sound, for leaving reviews. I truly believe that for every review you leave on iTunes, you get one step closer to heaven. And for supporting me through Patreon, for telling your friends, for tweeting me, Instagramming me, commenting on Facebook and, as one lovely woman did last week, for coming up to me on the street and screaming Rosemary McCabe in my face. You know who you are. Uh, How To Be Sound is produced by the inimitable Liam Garrett whose own podcast, Meet Your Maker, you can find at meetyourmaker.ie. And finally, a big thanks goes to all of my patrons who are at the $3.33 level and above. And they are... Paul Jeremiah Hayes, Dina Walker, Karen Cregan, Beatrice McCabe, Siobhan O'Rourke, Stephen Harding, Kira Norton, Marita Leonard, Sharon, Katrina Kennelly, Sean O'Hara, Trisha Sullivan, Emma Dowler, Claire Hegerty, Sharon Lennon, Katie Joy, Eva Bradley, Niamh Ní Eving McBride, Anya Kelly, Sarah McCann, Michelle Barrett, Sonia Mary, Breed Gallagher, Sinead Fegan, Ashling Dollard, Marina Hogan, Sarah Hanrahan, Heidi Gardner, Eleanor Farrell, Kira McGuinness, Sarah Conroy, Timmy Hennessy, Avril Flynn, Owen D, and Rosheen Blade.